Welcome to another episode of A Conversation with Open Minds. I'm going to just get right into it since we're probably a little short on time right now and get right into the introductions with my man on the left side of the round table, Noah. Kobe? Oh, wait, no, that's your tagline. At the end. <laughs> I was Shalom. going to do that today, too. Oh, y'all. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I can't yeah. go first ever again. And the other yeah. guy sits on the left corner of the right side of the right table. Randall. Bonjourno, everybody. Bonjourno. Oh, <laughs> oh, man, I thought you were going to say Kobe. <laughs> right. You also easily messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we are being brought back our returning guest again for another installment we have with us today, Ebony. Hello, hello. Hello. Hello, Welcome everybody. back, Ms. Ebony. Welcome back. It's good to thank be back. Thank you, thank you. So, yes, yeah, so today's subject is going to be part two of our, what would we call it? Police reform, police reform series. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah fix, the <laughs> fix the police. Fix the police. Yeah. Today we're right. going to touch on qualified immunity. What mm-hmm. does that mean, and who does it apply to, and why do we even have it? And I'm going to let Randall start us off with what he wants to say. Well, I just want to say one thing before we even talk about qualified immunity. I just want to set the mood. Because I wanted to get this out there. Um, I want everybody to know that policing, if you look it up, policing started with slave patrols. Look that up. Look up what slave patrols were. I can't get too deep into it, but look uh, look it up. And that in itself started the theory of policing. That's where, to me, I think it went wrong. Um, I think the slave patrols... Um, took a downward turn through history. As we know, we know the, the history of the police and the minority community um, all the way from that time to George Floyd where we're at right now. Um, I just feel like it is it has placed a mistrust in the community. And I almost feel like, and it's just my personal opinion, my personal opinion that it puts, it puts mistrust in the DNA of Black people. I just feel that way. This is me talking, one black person. I have friends, we talk about this, but um, we talk about this all the time. It just puts mistrust in the DNA. When I say that, I mean, I'm a successful black male, but if I'm ever coming in contact with police officers, I, I get afraid, seriously. And that, that's just God honest truth. Um, and I know it's kind of like a, hell of a way to come right into something but it's going to build when we start talking about this whole qualified immunity thing. The last thing I'll say before we start is all uh, this guy I follow, his name is Mr. J. Morrison and I'm going to give you this quote and he said in this country we're always asked we always ask the victim to take the blame to own up for what happened but when does the perpetrator accept responsibility for their sins? Again, he says, in this country, we always ask the victim to take the blame and accept the responsibility. But when does the perpetrator accept the responsibility for their sins? Uh, Today, we're talking about qualified immunity. Um, I don't want to take up all the time. Uh, Do you guys just want to jump right in or you just want to be kind of set up what it is? Yeah, I just wanted to throw in something real quick because. You know, as 
as for myself, I'm the, the white guy, the cisgender, you know, top of the social pyramid kind of person don't, don't have the money and, and all that. Mm-hmm. But I get scared when I deal with police. I can't imagine what it's like for somebody of color or anybody other than me to be dealing with police, because I just think on a whole, like you said, on a whole level, it's things can go sideways so easy. And uh, yeah. So I just want to throw that in that I get scared. I can imagine Randall. It's like, yeah, it's a whole other level. But I, I just wanted to say that because I wanted to set the tone for other things that we're going to talk about. Um, so basically what qualify, I looked it up and then I'll let everybody jump in. It's the basic definition of it. And if I've messed something up, anybody feel free to jump in and correct me. But it's just just the legal term or the legal principle of you know government officials or law enforcement officers. They can be immune to like civil lawsuits or are getting sued um, for any alleged violations, uh, mostly civil violations from the public. Um, what can I, I jump in for a second? Go ahead. Go right ahead. Okay, because legally you absolutely can sue them. It's the point of when an officer or a, uh, a government official is held accountable. So mm-hmm. you can sue anybody you want to, but the, the courts have created, which is a whole nother, I mean, there is no law actually called qualified immunity. It's yeah. judicially created. So that's a whole nother thing. But, you know, the point is, though, that it's not that you can't sue them. You can. You can go after them legally, but there's a legal doctrine that protects them from accountability. Yes. That is correct. So being held liable as far as being held accountable. Um, What brought me to this is because I I mean, you know, I follow people when I was looking at uh, the case they just had where um, the two police officers were uh, acquitted. I think one ended up shooting a man. Um, He was coming towards him with a weapon, but uh, he was was a hammer. Yeah. Yeah, hammer. And he was found not guilty. Um, But it just, to me, I just feel that we give too much power to law enforcement because uh, sometimes they're judge and execution, jury and execution. And in those instances, I feel like, like we talked about police training, they have lack of training and they're given all these escalated powers. And then when you take it all the way up through the court system, uh, most of them always acquitted, you know. Uh, And I just find that disturbing because to me, I feel like there are plenty of times. Well, first of all, they're human. And then on top of that, there are plenty of times where a lot of different factors uh, come into play, you know. Um, And I just think that. In this day and time, with everything going on, just like with the George Floyd Act, is still in Congress. I don't think they're going to ever get that passed because it's, it's so much in there that would sway the balance of power. I don't, me personally, I don't think it's ever going to get uh, up through. I would be surprised uh, through Congress and uh, become law because it, to me, it would shift the balance of power and what um, what you can do and what you can't do as far as we're talking about uh police officers or law enforcement what do you guys think well if you're asking do i think the law that uh, george floyd bill will pass i i agree with you i don't think it will Mm -mm. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to pass. I just think that uh, for some reason, I just feel like in 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 this country, uh, when we deal, we give these powers because one, we 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 start off when we're dealing with law enforcement as uh, let's, for lack of a better term, seat one, and they in that seat of power. So if you're at the top, like Noah said, at the top of that pyramid. Um, I was watching a lady today on something totally different, and they were talking about a different subject, and she was talking about when people get stopped. And she said, well, when people get stopped, if they would just do what the police officer says, you know, um, everything will be all right. Well, that's the case. It depends on who you are and depends on what that frame of mind is for the police officer. Um, I just feel like if you know you're backed up by strong unions, um, you're backed up. Now we know you're backed up by the Supreme Court, which it's not a lot, but I mean, they have this, this case precedence. You're backed up by that. Uh, you're going in there in that seat of power saying that or uh, thinking or feeling that what you say as a police officer is law, you know, is correct. And I feel like at some point in time, it has to be a, uh, some checks and balances. Just like, uh, you know, we have the Supreme Court, we have lawmakers, and we have uh, the executive branch. They always have checks and balances there. I feel like right now we need to have checks and balances when it comes to law enforcement. There's too many killings, there's too many marches, there's too many, uh, when you see these videos up in there, it used to be like, we, we could say, well, it wasn't in the video, you know, back in the 50s or 60s, no video. Um, if you do what officers say, everything will work out for you. Then video came, you know, we got Rodney King. And now we've escalated to we can even have video. And then there's some doubt, you know, um, where does it end? If it's if it's we're in a world where uh, policing has lack of accountability, low standards, um, less training and then on top of that you get the qualified immunity part added on to it and then where does it end where does that leave uh people's recourse to say hey you didn't do everything right you know what i'm saying you, you guys feel what i'm saying i feel like i'm talking to myself well it, it, yeah. it leads to in my opinion what's happening right now i mean just like you said it leads from them being able to do whatever they wanted and then uh let's let's raising the bar with just technology and let's rec we record it and it's still not enough <laughs> um yeah. so i mean it, they just they just keep moving the bar that's what it is and qualified immunity is just another tool that they have in their arsenal to allow them to conduct themselves in a way that's not only unreasonable but possibly deadly exactly well i'll throw in that um i, I like to be idealistic um i'm the dreamer probably um but in my mind that there needs to be some sort of overriding authority to society. Now, the way that it works right now, it is definitely broken in many ways. And in this regard, um, you know, not just when it comes to the, the civil, um, you know, like Ebony said, you can't, you can sue anybody, but you're not going to win. Um, yes. And I think, I think you said it too, or alluded to it, but that even in um, a setting or situation in the courtroom, the police officers, are believed to be the absolute truth of whatever they say. 
Um, and, and by rights, I mean, they're the authority. Um, they're the person that, you know, should be in charge of this, of, of a crazy scene. Um, you know, let's say it's a psychological breakdown. There's a murder fatality, or there's an auto accident or something happens, but they're the ones that, you know, the police and fire departments kind of run that kind of stuff. And so the people that are in charge of that, you know, should have some authority and should be taken seriously with what they say. But the problem is, is that like Randall was saying back from ages and ages ago, the way things were created and the reasons they were created um you know it was bad from the get-go they that old saying about you know you got to have a good foundation to build a house upon well the foundation was bad to begin with for most of the things in this country when it comes to um you know the courts the pretty much everything because i I would say aside from maybe the constitution itself because if you read it and you kind of apply it you know it sounds great and it still up, is upheld today with, you know, probably some people disagreeing bits and pieces, but, you know, all of our institutions were founded on the idea of slavery. And it, it, to me, it's so hard to get away from that. And we're trying, and I, I don't think it'll, I don't know if it'll change. I, I know it won't change in our lifetime. I don't know if it'll change in a hundred years or 200 years, but I like to think that if we can hold it together, we'll get there when um, you know, the, that, police pull someone over for you know they that they don't do that you know you're not pulling somebody over for a taillight and you smell something that that's not a thing that you know those kinds of things that escalate like sandra bland you know that whole scene was just escalate 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 when the absolute opposite should have been what was happening um so i you know i kind of think that as as lofty as i like to think the karma the pie in the sky optimism I, you know, with, with things like this, I think it's so deeply rooted in the foundation of what this country's about that it's going to take a lot for it. It's going to take a Supreme Court of nothing but black people on the Supreme Court. All, I don't even think you need that, though. And maybe, but you don't, but, you no, just you need, don't need people that, that want to do the right thing. Oh, sure. But you I know? don't think that we're going to see those changes until something like that happens and it's not a big deal. Here's, here's oh. my thing. Here, go ahead. Go ahead, Evan. Well, I, I just want to, well, let's just start, if we just backtrack with the origins of all this. Um, yes, the, yeah, I was just about to say yeah, that. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's start back, because whether you believe or not that, you know, the slave police and how policing started, which I am right there with you, I agree with that, but let's just talk about the whole idea of qualified immunity um, and where this whole idea of of protecting people's civil rights because qualified immunity did not start until we had um, 1983, the section 1983 of the constitution, which basically outlined protecting people's civil rights. So this started after the civil war. So we're in the 1870s and you know, uh, that, you know, South is pissed. They're trying to reclaim their, you know, their, their land, their rights that they thought they felt that they lost. They start lynching, raping, you know, just doing all kinds of atrocities to African-Americans in the United States. At that point, Congress decides, whoa, 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 things are getting out of hand. I mean, you know, people are being hanged on a daily basis. You know, families are being ripped apart. Um, Not that they necessarily cared so much about it, but it was so bad that they felt that they had to do something. So we're post-Civil War, and the Civil War of 1983 is enacted. So they... Initially, again, everything starts kind of, Noah, with that idea of we've got to do something here. You want people to do the right thing, and you think that that's what, you know, we're going to codify this thing so that you can't 
you can't violate the rights of anyone. Um, free people. Of those, yeah. of the rights um, uh, from the Constitution. So our, everybody has these rights. And even though it says that from the beginning, it didn't happen that way. We had the Civil War, the North wins. It's like, okay, now you guys have got, you have to do it now. Still nothing. So then they codified Section 1983. So until the civil rights movement, though, I mean, because let's be let's be honest, even though the 1983 section was enacted back in the 1870s, mm-hmm. nothing really started happening for African-Americans until the civil rights movement in the 50s. Correct. Correct. And that's, again, when they came up with this principle of qualified immunity. Well, yeah, you know, they they may have violated your civil rights, but we have to protect these officers because, you know, one, they're doing these terrible, you know, high um uh, dangerous jobs. Uh, they're doing jobs in a sense where they could make mistakes, and we don't want to one dissuade people from entering into the, the, you know these government positions of you know police officers protecting and serving. Uh, but we also want to give them a little bit of leeway to make some mistakes. I think that's already there. Um, I think the Constitution, um, if you if you if you read even the Fourth Amendment, it tells you that you're not. Uh, you know, you only get violated for an illegal search and seizure if it's quote unquote unreasonable. Right there, you have all the leeway you need. So, not only are you allowed to make mistakes as a police officer, there is a huge bar that you have to cross um, just to show that a pl- uh, that a police officer has acted in a way that's unreasonable. I mean, juries consistently find for cops; they consistently mm-hmm. support them, and even with video. It's still like, well, I don't know, you know, maybe he was thinking or like they get every talking about like (laughs) every chance, every opportunity, every benefit of the doubt that exists, they get. So in my opinion, it already exists. You don't need qualified immunity. You really, really don't. Well, Um, you know, you talk. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The second reason I think that, that, that this, you know, doctrine was created and again, doesn't make much sense is because they felt like, you know, we, you know, governments are completely um, liable, if found liable, have to pay. So with this was like George Floyd, he had a big payout. The the, the entities themselves, the the, the county, the state, the whoever. Municipalities, yeah, the city. Municipalities, yeah, thank you. They are going to have to pay. What yes. is possible is those government entities can seek indemnification from the officers. They don't do that. No, they not once. <laughs> when have you ever seen... So, you know, a thirty million dollar verdict being like the county then suing the officer. It never in Ebony, happened. In Ebony, even if the municipalities came after the officers, the police unions would never, never let it happen, happen. happen because they're right. so strong. They're so strong. So, again, yet another reason why I'm like, why again do we need this? You created, you you wanted to create a a law to protect people's civil rights, but now you indoctrinated a. Uh, uh, a principle that allows them to do just that. And that's where yes. I have the problem. Um, yes. But again, I will say this, I don't necessarily know, and this is probably where you guys, we may may not agree. I don't necessarily know that if we block uh, qualified immunity, that much would change. And the reason I say that is because of the simple fact that these juries, like I said, we've got video and everything now, and these officers still get off. And these are the ones that have, where qualified immunity has been found not to apply. Yes. So these are egregious cases. And we still have these sort of results. 
there is going to have to be a shift, a complete shift. I think something to what Noah was alluding to um, in our mindset as a society to, um, uh, again, make people accountable for their actions, um, but two, to realize that when you decide to be a police officer, um, you know how they say great, you know, with great power becomes great responsibility. I'm sorry, but you are going to have to take a little bit more care. And I'm sorry that you're in a, in a job where, you know, you could be shot and killed, but you chose that. And once you've made that choice, you've also, um, you're, you put yourself in a position where you have so much power over people. And, um, if you do that, you have to understand that there are, become uh, uh, rules and regulations that you have to abide by just like everybody else. And I just don't like the fact that everybody else has to abide by these rules that we have in place, laws, but you guys get to go above and beyond um, and cause harm, um, possibly death. Um, and, you know, you have the power to put these people in jail for sentences that, were, you know, destroy families. Um, it, it's just so much power that you have, and to me, very little responsibility when it comes to uh, you doing your part for society. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Noah. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, um, along what Ebony was saying, as far as things are so embedded in our system and our culture right now that y'all remember back when they were reading the George Floyd, uh, not the George Floyd, but the, um, the officer. We'll just leave it at the officer. Der- yeah, that, Derek, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. asshole. Um, yeah. But when it came to reading his decision, his verdict, we weren't 100% sure that he was going to be found guilty. No, he wasn't. He was 100% and, sure he was going home. And, he and thought that's all you need to say. That, that's all you need to right say. There. Like, that's, when that's they came all. back with When they came back with guilty on all charges, it was like, who finally. It's no. like, how many, how many times does this have to happen? Like you said, on video. Um, I think I think the one thing about real quick about George Floyd that go ahead, no, go ahead, go. is that for that officer, the officer, officer asshole, that um, what really sunk him was that it was so egregious. And I'm sure he's done this many times, not to that extent, but he's done it so many times that it was second nature. I can get away with anything. I have so much power, blah, blah, blah. But what happened was it was so egregious that everyone had to look at it and go, nah, bro, you messed up. And that's his peers, mm-hmm. the officers. Yeah. The union, everybody had to see it. It was so bad that they had to look at it and go, yeah, no, we can't help you on this one. But I mean, that's that was last year. That's, you know, 2020 and or was it 21? It was just so recent. And yet we're still dealing with that kind of which way is it going to go? It's like this should not be a this, this should no, be a no brainer. No, remember, we remember, remember we talked about this. And oh, I was yeah. talking about we we're talking about the case. And I said the way he looked at that camera. When they oh, said yeah. guilty, he looked at that camera. He could not believe he was guilty because you know why? Because in his mind, I was telling you guys that he's probably saying, wait a minute. I didn't see 50 white cops get off with doing the same thing that mm-hmm. I have done. Rodney King from Rodney King on down. And now you're going to make an example out of me. That's what he was probably thinking in his mind because it is, yep. it's part of culture. It has happened so much that it's like it's normal it's like if you put if you pull up and uh, i saw this thing going on it was youtube or somewhere on social media where um and this is not about a cop it's, it was a uh white male and a black male that got into a car wreck 
and it was the white male's fault. The black male is out. He's like, hey, man, you hit my car, yada, 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 this and that. The holies come up. They see the black man arguing, and he wasn't, like, physically fighting the guy, but he was like, hey, man, you hit my car. Instantly, they pulled on him. Mm. Luckily, it was this white woman, video, she started videotaping, and she said, hey, that was, uh, that guy didn't do nothing. It was the other guys, and they're, you know, they're starting to walk away. He's like, it was those guys, the white guys. And she was like, how dare you do that? But I'm saying that to say this is in instances with cops, especially white cops, black males or black people in general, uh, I'm using that because those are where we're having the, the conflict with anything. Basically, when that cop pulls up, if a cop pulls me over, I'm a black man. He pulls up and uh, and I say, because we know people like this, hey, I'm not giving you my license or uh, yada, yada, yada. It's my, it's my constitutional right. We know people. We're friends with people that no, say. That is, that's a white right. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't, yeah, exactly. It yeah. Is. I was just going to advise Randall. Don't do that. Ever. <laughs> but I'm using an example. If I say that and now we're yeah. oh, yeah. back and forth and say I say and say as we're in that back and forth. I decide in my mind, you know what, let me just give him this idea. And I pull it out quick out of my back pocket. He can assume, this officer cannot assume that I am a deadly threat. Why? Because in his DNA, he yep. might be programmed that way. In my mind, I'm just pulling out my wallet. Now he can pull just like the case in Minnesota, right? Remember that? Um, I can't think of the name. Was the girlfriend and the boyfriend in the car? And the officer told him to pull Orlando. out his wallet Orlando Castile. Orlando yeah. Castile. Told him to pull out his wallet. He pulls it out and he shoots him. And yeah, the girl was, was like, why did you shoot him? <laughs> yes. Yeah, there, there was more to it, but yeah, that was so ridiculous. I mean did that officer go to jail? No. no. Exactly. <laughs> there well, that, you go. Let me throw He's in real quick too. I think that goes to the idea of um you know, the bad guy with the gun. And, and this to me goes back and I, I, you know, I've seen it in a few movies, but the whole idea of what do they call it with the, when the, in the slave days, when they had the two, uh, you know, the black men would fight. Was it Mandingo? Oh yeah. There was a, a Quentin Tarantino right. movie that kind of brought that into the Oh, when that, they have the fights or they would have yeah. the white right. slave masters and they would take two yes. of the strongest slaves but, and they would have the Mandingo fights. Yes. Right. But that whole idea, that and the birth of a nation, the savages idea yeah. that, you know, if I see somebody that has black skin, oh, and they're a male and they're within this age range, I'm scared. And that's yeah. that's exactly what was used to um, doom. Um, uh, what was the boy in San Francisco? Oh, um, um, Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. Well, that He's was a black even... male. Yeah. He, you know, and by all rights, he should have been the one that was standing his ground. But he's a black male. He's in that age range. It's not going to go his way. Um, he looks right, right, like I said. <laughs> you know, it's it's like yeah. yes, exactly, but, exactly. But that whole and and this leads me to one idea that you know kind of crosses my mind in general. Just because I don't know, this is my mindset, but I, I don't know. You know, given the history of what the police is and what they do, I think that it, as a possible solution, I don't think it'll ever happen. But to have a police force, somebody that can go and issue citations for traffic, um, investigate, you know, uh, breaking and entering and things like that, you know, those kinds of crimes, but not carry guns. And they're out there. They're called community service officers, but make more of them 
the norm and have less officers with guns doing just the mobile patrols and, you know, doing the traffic stops, because that's, I think that that's what puts them in a position of, I can do whatever I want because I've got this gun on my hip. No, you know where that comes from. We talked about that in our, um, oh, that was our last police reform. We talked to Will about our training. Oh, yeah. I think I was there somewhere. I'm not going to say. I was there the whole time, man. (laughs) The unions. We talked about the unions. They want that money. So remember, policing after slave tracing, they got policing. It used to be, you know, you you, uh, identify violent crimes. You investigated violent crimes. But when they threw in domestic disturbance, traffic, and all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get all of that put on a police officer, um, which they're not trained for. But right. in, but what it does for the police unions and departments is it boosts their budgets up because they get millions of these millions of dollars, but they're not trained for that. So you you're sending them out there to do a job that they're not trained for. That you goes know? back that's to, where the, you to the Go to ahead. the criminal justice system. You know they they make laws to make things illegal. Now they got to arrest people to put in the jails. Oh, and by the way, who can we pick on? Oh, let's pick on the poor people because they don't have Wait. the resources to fight any of this yeah. and. But yeah, what, I'm getting, what I'm getting crap. back to when I was talking about the, the traffic stop is, so now if you've had an incident, somebody's gotten murdered or whatever, um, and you try to go after that officer, what's the recourse now? Because, I mean, what, what was Philando Castile's family going to say? How were they going to go after that officer? What were they going to, you know? And that's where the qualified immunity goes. The, that's what I'm saying. So, that, 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 so when they go to sue, they have to cross that legal doctrine of whether what he did was, will be seen as reasonable or unreasonable. Um, and as you know, it is very rare for a person uh, on a jury to say that, you know, seeing him, even after asking now, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, even after asking him um, to, you know, show us, you know, do you have any weapons or anything, or do you want me to pull out your wallet, whatever, that bar is just so high, and that's what's so frustrating. You don't need qualified immunity. A, 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 a jury acts as a qualified immunity provider, even without right. the doctor being there, which, again, mm-hmm. basically says that as long as they acted as a reasonable officer would have, then you can't help hold them individually. And that's yes. individually liable or accountable. And here, you know what? Here's so my, my two things with qualified immunity that really, really bother me the most. How do we determine qualified immunity or how do we determine if qualified immunity should apply? Where we're looking at a standard of reasonableness. Did the officer act in a way that was reasonable um, to a jury? Did he act in a, in a way that a reasonable officer would have acted? Okay, so how do we prove that? We collect evidence and facts. We mm-hmm. look at, let, let's say, a body cam video, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't work in this profession, so you don't know how hard it is to get a body cam video from a department. It, it, it does not happen in days, weeks, months. It takes forever, and they make you jump through every legal loophole you can think of until the fact that you have to file a lawsuit just to get it. And then by the time you get it, who knows what you're going to get? You ask for 911 calls. They're heavily redacted. It's the process is, I can't even describe to you how unbearable it is. Now, let's say that you get all that. What if the officer decides not to turn it on? That is so true. They should be taken out of service. (laughs) He absolutely should. Do you think he will be? Absolutely not. 
No. And that's when I have a problem. So you basically get to ter- determine what your own evidence is, right? <laughs> or even when you push start. Um, I don't look, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you press start on a body camera, the first minute is not recorded. So it's just you can see, but you can't hear what's being said. And I've been in the opportunity, you know, I've had the opportunity to listen to many of videos, and it it bothers me when it starts. Okay, you know, everything seems to be calm and collected and the officers know what's going on. But that moment when you decide to turn it on is all on the officer. And that really, really bothers me. You have the you have the option is, is in my mind not to turn it on at all, even though you're supposed to. And then two, you have the option of when to turn it on. And a lot of times those videos, if there's no independent video, um, is when are the facts and the evidence that we use to determine whether that bar or that legal doctrine exists. And that's what I have a problem with, the police policing themselves. That is the <laughs> biggest problem with all of this. You know, we've investigated ourselves and we've found that we did nothing wrong. <laughs> exactly. And, man, and so man, that's man. why I'm always like qualified immunity. It's more than that. It's so much more than that. Uh, I mean, it you bothers just made me. my head hurt. You just made my head hurt. I know. Me that I know. Just, and, and just one no, more thing, because again, no, legally, this, it blows my mind. 
So let's, let's take another job with great responsibility, doctors. Um, doctors do not have qualified immunity. They literally are taking people's lives into their hands on a daily basis, basis whether it's a surgeon, um, even a, a dentist for that matter. I mean, it's just a very, very, uh, it's a profession where you could honestly kill someone on a daily basis, depending on what mm-hmm. sort of uh, a doctor you are. Um, and people get sued. We have, I used to do medical malpractice. There is a whole process where you investigate um, uh, the potential negligence of a doctor. It's the reason they carry insurance. Um, and it's the reason that they, you know, get paid a lot because, again, they take a lot of uh, responsibility with every um, choice that they make when it comes to someone's care. Do we just say, oh, yeah, but they should be able to make mistakes? Uh, no, we don't. We say, you're right, there's a certain level there that, you know, maybe they might have missed something that another doctor would say, you know what, I might have missed that too. But we have an opportunity to have an independent doctor come in and review it that has the same exact expertise, background, and training to look at it, and maybe even a second person to do the exact same thing so that we know whether or not, you know, did the doctor make a decision that if, even though we don't think it was reasonable and, you know, my loved one has died, was it in fact reasonable? And so I feel like, why can't we have that same sort of, exactly, exactly. You, know what I, you know what I mean? Why cannot we have that same sort of logic when it comes to understanding what happened when a police officer has potentially, you know, acted in a way that has, you know, caused serious harm to someone or, um, in my opinion, not just that, if they violated somebody's rights uh, by an illegal search and seizure, uh, you know, uh, misconduct. Um, abuse, uh, power, um, things along those lines where, again, with all that power, um, they've acted in a way that was irresponsible and should be held responsible for it. I don't know why we can't use that same sort of logic. Here's what I want to say, because I totally agree with that, but this is why I say, stick with me here, qualified immunity is really a thing, and I know it's not a law, it's not a, we've already discussed that, but it's a thing for people of color in poor or poor, poor communities. And this is why I say this, because let's say any big city, we can say Orlando, the place where we live or whatever. In affluent communities or, or communities where um, a lot of, you know, white people live that are well off, they're not even gonna have to worry about cameras, qualified immunity, immunity, all of these things we've talked about police reform, you know why? One, because they're not going to let that happen in their community. They're not going to let the police officers come over there and do whatever they want to do that police officers do in poor communities. And on top of that, police officers are not going to go to these communities and act the way they act in poor, less <clears throat> impoverished communities because they know that they cannot get away with that in these affluent communities. That doesn't go. Take a place like uh, Windermere, here where we live. What was the case where the guy, um, what was it? Uh, is it he shoot his, he shot his wife or he, it was a rape or something? I can't remember. But what happened there? They didn't go in there and uh, wrestle him down to the ground, bust down his door, um, do all this crazy stuff that you see on the news. What did they do? They got a warrant, right? 
They went through all the procedures like Ebony was talking about or whatever. And they went and knocked on his door and nothing happened. Right. Because you hear people say, well, if you just do, you know what the police officers say, you do this, you're going to be fine. You're going to be OK. I know we're talking about qualified immunity, but if you even take it out of the picture, that's not happening in Windermere. They're not doing even if a crime was committed there. They're, it's going to go down a certain way. The investigation is going to go down a certain way. They're going to talk to the people a certain way because that's how it goes. And that's why I say we see the discrepancy of what's going on in this country. You know, these laws, to me, these laws are only for certain people. You know, they're not for the wealthy. We know that. We know they, they whether you're black or white, Sometimes, depending on what level it gets to, you can get away with certain things. Well, just the fact that I'm sorry, just the fact that the the these the 1983 became an active part where people were actually uh, filing suits, literally during the civil rights movement. That tells you all you need to know. This is this was definitely for people of color, color, and the fact that it was enacted after the Civil War. I mean, this is. Like the, the section was enacted after the Civil War. You see all of these cases being filed after the Civil Rights Movement. That tells you that this was specifically for the minority community who were, you know, basically have been dealt a, an awful hand and this sort of being a way to try to give them some sort of balance um, because we don't have that balance that everybody else has. It's blatant. It's blatant. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I 100% agree. It's blatant disrespect. I, I don't even want to get into my next topic because I know we're running up on time. But um, can you say it next time? Yeah, yeah. I just want to say uh, another case: Elijah McClain. We'll we'll yeah. start there. That <laughs> is uh, that is we'll such an there. awful case. That's such an awful case. I don't know. Nor do you have anything, KP? No, I mean I. I... There's so there is a lot to talk about, and I love having Ebony on board because yes, she knows yes. she knows the legal stuff and the law stuff, and uh, you know, yes, it says it real well. So um, no, I, I'll, I'll look up a little bit more on Elijah McClain myself, so I don't sound stupid, and uh, oh, you're bright, man. bring it next time. But yeah, you're bright, Mister KT. Right. Yes, sir. Um, I actually just wanted to say that. It, it sounds like there's a lot of layers involved mm-hmm. in all of this that you almost don't even really know where to start. Um, and there's also the the perception, I guess, that they have of people, that they have of the communities that they're dealing with, that they go into, that you're not going to go into an affluent neighborhood the way you're going to go into a low poverty neighborhood. You're, you're going to treat them both very different. Um, mm-hmm. And the... The problem with a lot of this, I think, is, quote unquote, they're acting within a framework of the law, which is how they, you know, very loosely saying, um, which is kind of how they get away with doing what they're doing, because otherwise, what can you prove? (sighs) So before anything, I want to say police officers have a dangerous job. They do. I love police officers, law enforcement. I want to get all that Mm. out there. No, no, they 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 do. Yeah, their job is yeah. extremely dangerous, and and there's nothing to say that what they're doing. We're not trying to belittle or, or or downplay what they're doing. I think it's more of a the situations that aren't as dangerous. The situations that when you go for a guy who is just screaming in the street, and all of a sudden he winds up dead. Yeah, you ask the question of the, how did it escalate to that? 
And how he, exactly. you know, you're supposed to de-escalate that situation, but instead you get there, escalate the situation, kill the guy, and now you're done. And that that's what's happening is happening a lot. And then your there, qualified immunity kicks in. Right. So, yeah. I mean, and it's almost like they don't need that extra buffer because they can almost blatantly just say, well, he acted within the framework of the law, so he's fine and be done. <clears throat> Which is kind of how they're getting away with it, with people just saying, I, I just can't put this guy in prison because he's a law enforcement mm. officer and he does this and he's, he's doing such a great job and his job is dangerous. They, they get all these benefits of doubt from anybody and everybody. Um, Mm-hmm. To a certain to a certain degree that you say, where when does that stop? When does that stop? And you say, okay, I understand that your job's dangerous, and I would give you the benefit of the doubt, but honestly, what you did right there was wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not saying you're a bad person. We're saying what you did that day was wrong. Now, if that becomes habit forming, you are turning yourself into a bad person. But taking accountability for the fact that you messed up in this given situation, there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe it will prevent more mess-ups in the future. But the fact that we're not addressing them, people will continue to do this and they'll continue to get worse. We got a lot yeah, to talk I, about, everybody. I, I think it's, it's the system. It's a lot well, of it, I system. mean, it is. It is the system, definitely. But where do you start? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's... right now we're at the Supreme Court and you're like going, okay, but we have to go back. But where do you mm. start back there? And then mm. where do you start to actually make the change? Somewhere, I mean, well, even the fact that the Supreme Court just holds, heard those two cases, there's no, there's no dissent, there's no actual uh-uh. written opinion. Right. It's uh-uh. just they don't even want to get involved. Uh-uh. And I, I, I'm not even saying like I've read up on both those cases. I don't even think they were the best cases to yeah. sort of have Put them out there. exactly. Right. And I think right. they took those purposely because there have been other cases that have come up that I think were better that they opted not to take and they take these two which i don't even know if are the best cases to display why qualified immunity should not apply i mean first of all the two cases are both domestic violence situations which to me is is an added you know sort of layer like kt just said that um you know the way you approach that is a little different i think i want to say in both situations there were kids too if i'm not mistaken so i mean it's just you know, and you have a man threatening and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just a lot. But I just don't think those are the best cases. But the fact that they don't even give us anything, it's, it's purposeful. Um, those are choices and none of them did. So, I, you know, I just I find that very, very peculiar. Mm. All right. This right. was excellent, man. This was excellent. Wrap us up, Kate. Yes, sir. We we'll want to thank you for listening to another episode of A Conversation with Open Minds. We do hope that you enjoyed this episode, loosely speaking, because you can't really enjoy the content of what we're talking about, but you understand my point. So wherever you listen to your podcast, please click subscribe and always remember to have a conversation with an open mind.